Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions students want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirajit Shamal, and each episode, I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country, from secondary schools and universities, what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For this episode, we'll be asking our top questions that have been submitted by students on our Career View website who are interested in becoming a physiotherapist. Now, to answer some very intriguing questions, we're joined by 29-year-old physiotherapist Tom Payton, who has been practicing musculoskeletal physiotherapy for the last five years and currently working as a rehab consultant. Tom, at a very young age, was a competitive athlete and played a lot of footy, where he unfortunately experienced a lot of injuries. But also, fortunately, it ultimately led to his passion to become a physiotherapist. And he's got a lot of good inputs to share with us today. So let's get into it. All right, and we are back and welcome to the show, Tom. It's really great to have you here today. How's everything going? Yeah, it's been really good. Bit of a whirlwind of a week. I have my first student with a new job today. So that's been interesting getting someone to kind of or teaching someone the role that I've been performing over the last 10 months or so since I started or changed role post-COVID. Um, but that's been interesting. It's been insightful for me. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot in the workers' comp space. Um, so it's been really interesting. Um, I'm still learning as a physio, so days are tiring, being um, just like constantly being on your feet with yeah. new information to absorb, um, particularly being in different spaces. So no, it's been, it's good, but yeah, busy as well at the same time. Very busy and sounds very full on yeah. and we saw you before, you can see that a long day's work definitely <laughs> has its effects and it's it's good to stay busy, I think, to some capacity. But uh, Tom, once again, ha- great to have you here. Oh, and thanks for having me. <clears throat> before we um, jump into our question, asked by students uh, when it comes to becoming a physiotherapist. The first thing I want to ask you is um, what does a physio do? And more importantly, what are some of the misconceptions of a physiotherapist in the perspective of a high school student or for a university student pursuing this pathway? Yeah, so it's funny you say this because I remember at my first uni lecture, they had a they had our teacher kind of stand out in front of us and they said, 70% of you think that a physio is purely just a sports physio or someone that you see in a room that like helps your back or yeah. helps your knee or is a person that kind of fixes you up on the footy field and that's why you're driven to do the course. But as we were kind of talking about before, it's com- for me that is a completely different like understanding now. We have um, – what I was saying was we have kind of three different facets and that's how I kind of branch physio into. So we have the cardiopulmonary side of it, which is basically if you – it looks at your lung function and the heart in one system. You have the neurological side, which is basically how your nerves function throughout your body and how that relates to everything essentially in terms of movement. And and like and sensations as well because mm. that it's important for balance and wow. everything else from that, 
and then the musculoskeletal side, which is what the seventy percent were thinking at the time. So right. yeah. that's the you bust your knee, someone comes and helps you. Someone gives you a couple of exercises, and then like they help you with your rehabilitation from there. Right. Um, just to kind of yeah go into a little bit more detail as well for that. There's for a physio for me. There's like kind of two different areas, which is the private and public physios. So your public physios are the ones that generally work in hospitals, or they're basically paid for by um, paid for by the government through the government health system. So that can be if you if you go back into those facets, if you have um, pneumonia and you go to hospital, then someone who's in the cardiopulmonary section will help you with your lungs or if you've got COVID someone's going to be suctioning COVID out of your lungs at some point potentially if you're in ICU which is really common at the start it's not so much now because we've got vaccines and everything Um, if you have a stroke so that's the neurological side they're the ones that will get you kind of walking get your movement and function better Um, and that's kind of one of the really interesting facets that people don't really think about and it's one that kind of drew me to being a physio like after I graduated because I really enjoyed the work that we did there and then there's also the um there's also the musculoskeletal side which is in like if you have a knee replacement or someone has like a big injury then the musculoskeletal physios will help to maximize rehabilitation maximize function so there's so many different elements to a physio really and it's quite broad as opposed to be so singular as many people might conceive it to be yeah and then that private side is just like the privatization so other clinics basically looking at those three facets so instead of seeing someone in a hospital you might not be that at that point and you might go to a clinic to see someone for like the knee pain or the back pain or like the sports clubs and that sort of thing or you might if you've post-stroke everyone wants to get home so there's private practice physios that will look purely at neurological development Mm. There's other facets like peds, um, like pregnancy stuff as well. Um, so there's, there's 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 so many broad areas that is like expansive in the physio world that for me, my concept of what a physio is, and it's just it's like kind of this umbrella term that kind of mm. tries to maximise function for people um, with those kind of key elements. And each one of those areas that I was talking about before has an overlay effect on each other. And you can't kind of treat a patient well nowadays without having an understanding of each of those key areas because they're all interlapping to make the holistic body. And I mm. think that's such an eye-opener for anyone who's actually wanting to pursue this path pathway tom that there is so many elements and it seems like you're always going to be learning on the job yeah it's it well you kind of have to be because we the reason why physio is the the job and the profession that is it is is because we're purely evidence-based so you actually should not be or you shouldn't be doing the things you're doing unless you've got evidence to say why you're doing what you're doing so you have to be able to justify your treatments Mm -hmm. Um, which kind of sets us apart from a lot of other a lot of other areas. So, um, not to say that other areas don't work at all, but we have there's a massive body of research, and that's why universities like really do run like a lot of physio courses, and we've got some great research um, research schools. But like all the all the different treatments that we have they are like they are tested and made sure that they have a certain standard before we do them in hospitals in practice and everything else from there and the ones that don't match the accreditation eventually get phased out so what you learn in a physio degree or by the time these students are talking like going through uni if they want to do physio after me they'll probably have a completely different course than what i learned well yeah. So you need to you need to be constantly learning and constantly adjusting <coughs> what your the ways you 
practice in order to upskill essentially and that's recognized by like the australian physiotherapy association as well absolutely unbelievable tom um jumping into our questions that we have for you today uh, ask my students Uh, the first question is what does a normal day look like for you yeah, so in order to answer this one properly, I kind of just get to give a little bit of backstory about my journey as a physio. So I originally started as a musculoskeletal private practice physio, pretty much straight out of uni. I got fast, I got, I got like a lot of work in the kind of those three areas. So I graduated and said, I'm going to just learn as much as I can in the shortest period of time. So I kind of worked in all three areas that we talked about before. I have kept going with my musculoskeletal side of the fence like pretty much the whole way through as well as maintaining like a fair few neuro clients um, who come and see me in a private practice setting, not so much in hospitals. After COVID here, I started doing what was more in the workers' comp side of things. So if you have a injury on a work site, then the insurance company basically pays for everything. So they'll actually go and see physios doctors surgeons whatever it is that's required in order to make you medically like as close to medically highest capacity possible so you can get back to a goal which might be return to your job or just get back to as high functional as high as you can functionally so i actually manage claims and oversee the return to work phase of um of like complex claims that get sent to my company so the insurance companies like to have like someone who's medically trained Mm. to oversee these claims so i do three days a week doing that and i also do three days a week in the clinic i'll touch on the workers comp stuff when i need to but i'm assuming that most people want to understand the musculoskeletal side of the fence so Mm. um i did the workers comp today and that was a nine to five gig pretty much so that's pretty much me going around and um like managing claims I go and see GP appointments. I go and see, um, okay. I go and see uh, like surgeon appointments. Then I'll write people's reports to mm. say where they are and where they are in terms of their rehab and that sort of thing. But as a physio, your days can vary significantly if you're in a clinic. So um, I've got my my day on Monday is a one pm to seven pm start and finish, and then I pretty much blocked out my day of patients. So my patients will be either initial assessments, follow ups. I do classes which are movement rehab classes, and then also um, also like the odd Pilates movement class that we kind of have in there. Oh, so I do that three days a week, and then I'll do a Friday which will be kind of eight o'clock till about three o'clock. So bigger day. Um, it's it seems better because you've got a smaller time to treat except than like a nine to five which is a longer mm. which is a longer day except you can't spend a massive amount of time like or you can't spend a 13 hour day or a 10 hour day treating because it just zaps you more than like more than it what it would if you were doing like reports and that sort of thing because you require so much brain thought treating and like you have to assess every patient very differently right and is that a principle that you've adopted where you can actually balance your time to make sure that you're efficient at what you do or do some people also do people struggle with let's say a work-life balance when it comes to to the hours when it comes to working as a physio? Um, no, like I, I remember when I was purely working as a musculoskeletal physio, which mm. was only probably like, which was only probably like, I don't know, a year ago or so, um, your work-life balance is pretty good. But there's some, there's some obviously some negatives to just doing that one field. But um, 
but yeah, it's it, your work-life balance is very good being a physio. As long as you can like pick hours or you're working at a clinic that you can kind of choose your time. When you start, you get shafted with the late night shifts. You might have the 8 p.m. finishes, yeah. the 7 p.m. finishes, which I do one of. But then you also get like eventually get the, the routine that you like. So you can do, I used to do a 6 a.m. till a 1 o'clock, mm. which so I got the whole Arvo off on a Friday. So I was just having the best time ever, surfing and doing all the golf stuff that was great. Absolutely. No, that sounds great. Tom, the next question that we have for you um, is, was it difficult to find a job once you finished your degree? No, mate. Like, as a physio, you are highly, uh, particularly right now, you're highly, highly employable as soon as you graduate. As people who are kind of looking at or have an understanding of what the degree entails, it's a four-year course where you do a lot and a lot of study so it's a pretty challenging degree but once you graduate you're highly proficient to be able to at least start work and treat patients you've got to have obviously more training good bosses it'll give you oversight but we if there was a new grad that was half decent out right now my work would snap them up like that so it's you can definitely get work pretty quickly in the field that you want so some of the more popular fields or the more niche fields would be like your peds physios they would they would not struggle to get work but they might have to work a little bit harder um to or they'd have to apply for more roles if you want to work in a hospital as like a stroke physio or someone that's like in the neurological field then that might be a little bit more challenging but generally if you want to get a job it's pretty easy and once you've got once you've been a physio for a little while you probably never not have a job if you're half decent as well so the job status i mean guarantee in that regard is very high for this field absolutely yeah 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 if you, if you need if like if you were to go out of work for a little bit you would like 100 get back into it pretty quickly wow that is very reassuring and and certainly good to know uh, moving on to our next question tom um, asked by students what is the most challenging aspect of your role most challenging aspect of my role is probably dealing with patients that are like very highly complex as a physio you're kind of dealing with like not just people's functional capacity which i've talked about before but you deal with the neurological side of emotions so people we're understanding a lot in the physio world that pain is not just purely one area that is inflamed Mm. or sore it is like the lifestyle factors of of like a hard day at work of Mm. like the fight that they might have had with their partner the night before the lack of sleep so that's that if someone is emotionally charged then their pain increases and Mm. being able to relay like that sort of information to a patient that might not want to hear that or Mm. that might not like understand that is really challenging or even changing someone's beliefs about pain and everything that surrounds it is is hard like it's not it's not an easy thing to do because every time you treat someone they've got a belief on what they think they're going to get from you Mm. and you if you want to give them the best treatment possible have to do your best to give them the most updated evidence that i was kind of talking about before on the reason why they might be feeling the symptoms that they are everyone has this idea of like arthritis arthritis that's going to give me pain i'm done long term that's me i'm uh, my back's cooked but it's not always the case if you can like if you tell them like if you strengthen up and you do all the right things to um like move efficiently then like your pain won't always be there then people kind of find those sort of concepts that they haven't always learned 
difficult to take on board. So if you're, yeah, if you're talking about emotional balance as well, then like that is, that does play into pain. So that's difficult to change someone's mind on as well. How do you address that? I guess, I mean, that's not part of the job description in some yeah. respect. You've come in out of a degree, you've learned certain sciences and elements of what you need to do as part of your job. But then here you are thrown in with almost what it seems like you're providing therapy and counseling. Yeah. Yeah, so you do, you do, you do provide that sort of like emotional support at times because pain heightens emotions as well. So like, there's no, there's no doubt that whenever anyone's in pain for like because they've hurt their knee, they're going to be in a crappy mood. If you've hurt your back and you've been sore for four years chronically, then like, what do you reckon your moods can be like? Pretty average. So if that is heightening someone's pain response, then like absolutely it's going to be hard to change their mindset on what they think. If someone thinks that when they go to a physio, they just want to get a back rub and that everything's going to be okay. If you're mm. saying that actually well, the last six physios you've seen have given you a back rub and you still sore, what does that mean? It's not going to be the answer to your long term. So why don't we try something different? Like the trick is, and the way you get around it is you got to show them bit by bit that things work. And if you can prove to someone that their pain is going to ease, like with movement and correct movement in a certain way, then they're going to have more belief in what you're doing than if you just give them the same treatment that they've had over and over again. Um, so yeah, pretty much it is that the answer in short is assessment and then reassessment. Very insightful, Tom. Very insightful. Next question that we have for yourself, and it's on the flip side of what's most challenging. The question is, what do you find rewarding about your work? Yeah, so my the, the reason why I probably started my role was um, pretty much because you're directly able to help someone in like who needs your help as well. So, um, so the most rewarding thing is that you get gratitude straight up. So if you can do a really good job with a patient and they take on board what you're saying, then they like they become really appreciative of what you do, and that's a that's a really nice feeling to get back. Um, in like and it, and you can get that from like any any of those facets of physio. If you can help someone and make someone's life better, like whether it be like pain wise, whether it be like even emotionally better than like it does make you like feel good and it makes you want to keep striving and keep doing the work that you are doing. Look, I, I can certainly see how rewarding this career can be, especially understanding from yourself. This role is so hands on. You're dealing with people every single day, and each client is different. And, and to see that you're making progress and supporting their well-being, I can imagine this can make you feel really good for a very long time in your career. So moving on, you know, our next question that we have for you, Tom, is how much training is required on the job before you can be independent in the workplace? Yeah, so everyone would probably answer this one slightly differently. I think, like, honestly, it depends a lot on how hard you want to work at uni. So, like, I think that plays a major role into it. So how prepared you are out of uni. Like, obviously, obviously anyone, like, if you come out, like, anyone's going to struggle with really complex patients. You get that, like, that, like, 10 year back pain or that like really really like poor um that poor belief system that's like feeding into something that you might not even know what's going on it's going to be pretty difficult to treat them and you've got to have a lot of training to be able to help those people but then you also get patients that like you can you can make a difference really really quickly in order to like if you if you just say how much is required to be proficient at what you do it's it's a really 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 difficult question. question yeah. um, I would say I would say like you've got to be out in the field for at least like 
four years to be able to say you've got Mm. your head around it Mm. but at the same time like I was like everyone's two years out and they go oh yeah I'm pretty good at I'm pretty good at my job here and you can like the like first year that your first patient out you might like they might do you might do really well with them and feel like Mm. this is going really well but it's only until you see start to see complex ones that you're like hang on I need to take a different approach mm. with that. And mm. having that that tool belt where you've got your clinical tool belt that you can actually like try different methods mm. or like work around different belief systems, um, that's when that's when the challenges kind of come, but that's when you also get your best rewards because you're helping people in a better way than what like than what you would have thought you could previously. There is so many elements of the role that you have and one thing is about exposure, but you never know because you're dealing with people exactly. at the end of the day. So it's emotions, it's different different scenarios at any given time. So yeah. being I guess for our listeners they're very open is what you're saying, Tom, ultimately to to understand that it really could be different at any given day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as I said, like to be proficient, like, and you see your first, your first four patients, if they're quite straightforward, then you, you can do an absolutely awesome job and you can make a massive difference very quickly. The same thing. If you, if you get four really hard ones straight up and they're, you're, they're like complex injuries and we see complex injuries pretty regularly. Um, that's you're going to find it pretty difficult so as i said like i still see patients today and i've got i've got physios that i work with that still see patients that they go and they've been physios for 10 plus 15 plus years and they go i'm confused with this refer on Mm. because the person that like who's had training in that field might help them out more than what what they have and they might have been in their field less than they have so it really is like because the body's so complex it does require um it does require like you to have a collaborative approach with all therapists to be able to get the best results very insightful tom um next question that we have one of the more popular questions (laughs) among many students here is does the career (laughs) pay well and if you don't mind breaking down the details for us when you start off uni um and you're working as a young physio to you know working up the years and getting more experience and exposure what does that pay look like and does it work well for you yeah so the pay structure for physio would depend on what the clinic is going from so i'll talk from purely private practice physio oh if we want to go from the public health system then we can so if you join a public health system then i think you get i want to say like the uh, 75 grand straight out probably so if you go straight into like a hospital then that will incrementally increase until probably four years down the track or five years down the track where you might be up around 90 grand so it's very much like a government job where you just gradually climb a scale it doesn't really matter about how good you are it's more about how long you've been in the job if you're a private physio which is similar to what i am whether that's a neuro whether that's a musculoskeletal physio so you will be basically on a retainer generally so you'll so you'll basically be paid a wage that's quite small so i think the wage that is the award wage is about 32 and a half dollars per hour wow so that's basically that is what you if, if you don't see anyone for that week you'll get paid 32 dollars an hour which ends up being about 65 grand if you work 38 hours keep in mind that as i said before you don't want to probably work 38 hours straight off the bat as a physio you'd find it really hard to be able to keep it like keep the flow of knowledge between patients and the clinical reasoning we call it between patients um solid because eventually after if you do a 13 hour block everyone's going to look the same by the end of it because mm-hmm. you just you're only seeing like this like this the, the big blocks rather than the smaller pictures yeah, um, put right. together 
Um, so yeah, th- about like base rates. If say you did like say you did thirty hour weeks, you'd probably get paid about I don't know fifty grand or whatever it is that you guys can do the maths at home. Um, so then after that, you get paid. You get to a point where you get commission on top of that. So commission looks at I think the award commission is generally forty three percent of what you see on a caseload. So say you so say you saw someone that came in and it paid a hundred bucks, then you get forty three dollars of that. But that's only once you get over that retainer so it might be that you see like for you might have one really busy week and then you hit your retainer 43 percent of what you saw was ended up being two grand then if your retainer was sitting at around a thousand dollars and you would get a bonus of a thousand dollars in there right it's not that like that's that's cool that's a fair that's a fair few patients in that time i think like depending on how busy the clinic is i've had really busy clinics where we've seen lots and lots of people but the ones that kind of do well they kind of cut back on the amount that they increase the amount of time that they actually see the patients for so they kind of cap out i reckon at um probably about 80 grand you would make if you like pushed yourself or maybe even like up to 90 depending on how like how busy you were but as i said like if you've if you've been in a position where we are like covid you generally don't get paid if you're a physio so Mm. that constantly brings down that brings down that um that amount that you'll make so again like it's it sits around that it probably sits around that 65 to about like up to 90 that doesn't change for a long time from the physio side of the fence. So people probably are sitting here listening, holy shit, like I'm getting like minimum 70 grand straight out of uni if I do the 38-hour week. The thing that makes physio really hard, and I, did, I haven't said this before, but um, I think the physio lifespan for a career is only about seven years. Seven years. Yeah, so that's I think that's the general that's the general lifespan because wow. everyone kind of gets this seven they call it like the seven five or seven year hump where right. they realise, hang on, I'm on exactly the same amount of money that oh, I was right. when okay. I was first graduated, or I might be on slightly less because that clinic that I was on earlier was busier. So I'm like I don't actually change my wage through that. So wow. everyone kind of hits this hump and they get to that stage that I'm starting to get to where they go, oh, hang on, I I feel like like all my mates are on like a, over a hundred thousand dollars. Like, why am I still sitting on this? And the reason yeah. is because you don't actually make much more past that unless you go out and start your own physio clinic. So I guarantee that like whoever's listening to this, if you count on your hand, the number of physio clinics that are within like a, a 4k radius of where you are, there'd be a probably as many fingers on your hands. Like the market right now, and it might be different by the time like the like 2027 20, kind of come out, but um, like it's, it, it's a saturated market. So it just means that like everyone can't make as much money because there's so many practices out there just hoarding patients or taking patients or splitting patients so um yeah it's a really it's a really really difficult market to kind of earn over i'd say over a hundred grand because you just have to either work yourself to the bone and you've just you can only make what you've what you've made on commission so there's no like really way to climb the ladder unless you go and nick off to make your own practice when you where you'd probably i don't know what the facts and figures are behind that but you'd probably make significantly more but even then there's a lot of risk i think there's another stat where i think 50 percent of physio clinics fail within the first year or something so so there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of competition out there in regards to between between um 
between clinics. So yeah, it's a it's a difficult one to answer, and that was part of the reason why I did change and start doing the workers' comp side of things. Right. Because like when that COVID came around, like I wasn't getting paid because like the work would shut down. There'd be like no base rate, no retainer, no commission for those weeks. It just meant that my caseload for the next two weeks after significantly reduced. So I then went and got another job or a second job so that that would hold me down with my retainer and I work. So I think it's three days a week and I get pretty much 50 grand for just the three days a week work with the workers comp. And it is sad, but like the insurance companies pay a lot better than what the, um, than what the, like the private practice physios get. So even if you are a really good private practice physio, no doubt that if you go into that corporate world, there is more money to be made there. Does the pay in some regard, uh, I mean, you do so much. Do you feel that the pay is reflective of the service that you provide? Honestly, no. Like it's, it's, it's a really like, it is, it is hard. And that's why there's the, there's, that's why there's the seven year hump because it, it doesn't always be reflective of what, like how hard you work and how much you put in. I know that like, if you, if you go into a corporate world, then like, if you put in the extra hours, then you're guaranteed to get more money or you're guaranteed to get that promotion. It doesn't work like that with physios. My seniors or seniors that are around me might not be on, they might be on slightly more money on me, but it's not, it's not reflective of almost how much training they have unless they're the top dogs that have like like the, all the experience in the world and they're the gurus and they're, they're the ones that I refer to because I'm like confused on this right. guy or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, it does kind of cap out and that is, that's hard, that's a hard barrier to hit. So mm. you either you either have to go and start and become like that next practice that mm. is like what we what we kind of, like one of the extra numbers on the fingers. And massive risk as well. And, and there's the massive risk behind it because is going to be you're going to be trying to spilling more into um like more into an already oversaturated market so if you want to chase the dream and be the sports physio you're looking at a massive pay cut from there you're doing a lot of your work for minimal pay so if you want to go and try and get a job at the eagles you're going to be working like pretty crappy hours for minimal dollars if you want to work at a waffle team which um western australian like football league you won't get paid until the end of the year and it'll probably be a couple grand and that includes all the trainings that you do and that includes all your game days you'll get more paid more at a local footy club than you would at a waffle side unbelievable so that's all in some ways so glamorous or thinking about yeah. on the football field or, or on any sports field it's not as it's not as yeah it doesn't look like that at all yeah yeah so it's it's very different so unless you like it, I, i'm not saying to people don't don't go and chase this sports dream because if you have the passion there you'll do well and like if you're a if you have got the dream you've got the goal in mind one of my sister's friends is a physio and she's been doing it for years and years and years and she's always stuck true to her word as mm. being like wanting to be the top physio she is because she was a she was a sailor and she never made the olympics so now she wants to go to the olympics but as a physio and that's keep that motivation drives her to like constantly work and grind at that at that um goal even though like the pay is not as good as what she could get if she went to another field or even to another job really there very insightful, Tom. Yeah. Very interesting perspective on the on the pay, which is a big, big topic for uh, for many students. Yeah. Um, so coming to our next question that we have for you, uh, the question is, how do you prepare for this career pathway? And I guess uh, apart from university and completing a degree and doing your training, how do you, is there any other ways you can prepare for this kind of career? 
Um, how can you prepare? So, yeah, if you kind of get an idea on my journey, I was very, very into football. Like, I'm from Melbourne originally, so footy's pretty much your bloody lifeblood, mate. Like, yeah. you're playing footy at lunchtime, you're going to footy training after school. All the you're, time. you're talking about footy with your, your family <laughs> at the dinner table, and that's all we care about. Yeah. But, that, like, growing up, if you love, if you if you live and breathe sport, then, like, mm. that's, it's, it's automatically like a magnet towards where you want to, where you want to go to. So I guess like preparing for like being a physio, like I was one of the guys that put my hand up in the room at the start of that uni lecture and said that, yeah, this is what I thought physio was. But obviously those things have changed. So I think like how do you prepare? It's a case of like, do you have a love for the human body, anatomy and everything around that kind of circles that? Do you have like the drive to want to make a difference and help people and like and um yeah so how do you prepare for it i think it's i think it's very much bred into you from a young age yeah in terms of like um is like how do you get into the course as well it's a challenge so for me i had a bit of a journey as well so in western australia we're very very lucky so we have like three courses that are very very good oh i think it's two now um two physio courses that are like very, very good and they're top-notch. They take quite a lot of students, so the ATAR to get into it, relatively low and that's one of the reasons why i moved over to wa from oh, wow. melbourne was to do physio because i think the atar at the time was um they still call it atar don't they yeah they do yeah yeah <laughs> Shows you what I am. yeah um, so that they um they are uh, the ATAR at the time was I think ninety three or ninety two I want to even say whereas in Melbourne it's ninety eight point five or something wow so it's like significantly more competitive because mm. we just got a bigger population I think there's only two physio schools there as well so um, so in order to prepare to get into the course from while you're at school you got to work pretty bloody hard if you're over on the eastern states you've got to still work very hard and you've got to do pretty well with all your anatomies all your sciences and it obviously helps if you've got the PE backgrounds as well because you're just more in tune with what goes on with the body and even if you're wanting to go into the cardio stream or you want to go down the stream of um, neurological physio as well still pays to have a really good understanding of the human body oh I did a um, I did a biomedical science degree prior to joining physio. I um, I originally went on prac at the end of my third year, and then I was kind of working in a science like a pathology lab at the time. And then I was just having a yarn to all the all the all the people that were around me, just like not even really paying attention to what was on the petri dish, just having a having having a good <laughs> solid chat. A good solid chat. And yeah. like I reckon two or three people said, "Mate, you should not be working in here. You need to go and work with people." Good so people. so it's it's very much a career that if you enjoy being like face-to-face communicating with people then like that's the that's kind of how you prepare for it because your communication is probably i think there's 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 stats i can't remember the exact ones but i think it's probably 70 percent of your treatment so how well you can educate someone on their emotions their pain their movement and everything even if you don't touch them it's really common to have a treatment session now where you won't touch people Mm. and you'll make more of a difference for them long term than actually putting your hands on them so yeah, it's just how much you enjoy talking to people. If you're a, a, an introvert that 
um, but that just does not like being around people and it's mm. probably going to be a hard career for you. Oh, and I think this is part of, if you're considering this pathway, it's having this self-reflection about, you know, what do, what am I passionate about? Mm. Do I have this kind of skill set? Am I passionate about the human body and the anatomy? You know, maybe I have a, an outdoor-ish and I like people. It's this self-reflection I think that you've touched upon is a very important aspect and uh, very naturally it came to you. But um, for anyone who's listening out there, Tom, one being reflecting on themselves and then university is not as easy as it seems very competitive yeah uh, getting into it anyway yeah. and even, actually even when you're at uni it's bloody hard course hard course as well yeah. so next question that we have for yourself is when did you know this career path was kind of right for you and the reason why this question came up is that many students may find themselves realizing very early on, this is, this is the pathway for me or much later down the years, once they finished the degree, this is the pathway for me. Where, at what age and when did you realise and when was that light bulb moment where you're like, ah, this is it, this is what I want to do? Uh, so I reckon there was probably two. So one once I, one once I, before I even thought about wanting to do physio, oh, I guess it was, guess it was like in the mind somewhere where I was, was probably at school. Um, and I had so many injuries playing footy. So like amateur footy is a massive thing in, um, Melbourne, like, but you get so many injuries. Like I was like constantly injured. So like just knowing how to rehab my injuries well and like taking interest into why my ankle was rolling like every third week or something was really important to me and how to prevent that as well injury prevention was massive um so yeah i guess um i guess like just going through so many sporting injuries and being able to deal with um and learning how to actually manage them Mm. and then also prevent them as well so injury prevention is just such a big field right now um so yeah i guess i guess it was when i was at at school wanting to wanting to like like be a like a footy player or like be like be involved in that sporting environment even after like i like wasn't going to play anymore was really important to me um but i guess there was another there was another time when i was at uni i was on a prac and i was doing one of the neuro placements that i was talking about um like or when I was in a hospital and um and when I had a patient that recently had had um a stroke and he was and he was like he was he had called um what we call um ataxia where he when he was standing he basically like couldn't really put too much weight through his feet but the way you treat it is you just like you you work on weight shifts and you basically get someone in challenging positions in standing positions and then you work on their balance in that stage and then eventually like you start working towards gait retraining walking and that sort of thing and I had a bit of oversight from my um from my uh supervisor at the time and we ended up getting this guy walking for the first time out of a wheelchair and like it was a really really special moment his family was there and like the wife was there she was crying and then like this guy was so happy and like he kind of sat down after and he just thanked us so much at that point in time it's kind of really never left me because I was like holy crap we can actually make a massive difference in people's lives and it was kind of the first time I was like this guy probably couldn't have done that or been in that position by himself without us being there to help him so um, I guess that really flicked in my mind where I was like, look, I'm passionate, I'm driven towards doing this. And even though I don't work in that field now, we still make a pretty solid difference to everyone that we see. And I thought, I'd hope that like everyone that we talk to is like better having 
having been treated and seen us. So, um, yeah, so I guess it definitely is. It definitely grew from just being wanting to be in like a sporting field and wanting to not be locked up in a like in a desk job or not being locked up in just like one office to being um, actually wanting to be able to make a difference to people's lives. Amazing that you had these critical moments in your life. One already starting from a very uh, a place where you loved playing footy, and then yeah. and then growing into into when you are in the field, you have these these moments, and I think that's just absolutely incredible, and probably very inspiring for people to know that there are moments in certain uh, aspects of what you do that might just actually be the switch to realize that you're really passionate about it, and it's in you sometimes. It's it's not always there, and you can't always see it in front of you, especially when you're not. When you're doing an assignment or you're doing some uni work you're like am i actually really passionate about this but actually being and doing and seeing it on in in person is a different thing altogether yeah it's just like one of those things that just constantly evolves and changes and like it's it is a journey like it's not like it's not just a straight pathway where you 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 kind of like climb a rung of like getting to where you want to like get into that top promotion it is it is a find yourself on your feet in that like stretch and that weaving kind of direction it's not linear but it's like you've kind of it's it's a great degree that allows you to kind of follow where your heart is and follow where you can feel like you can make a difference and that's just been one of the things that like I've definitely learned along the way like even though people might say that um, that workers comp space that I was talking about is bland and different to what you'd originally be doing you're able to make a massive difference to people's lives even from like being a hands-off person so it's it's yeah even even being able to chat to the person who you're playing golf with when if you can give them advice that they might um, they might be able to alleviate symptoms or being able to direct someone's treatment who's that their wife who's just had a hip replacement if she hasn't like done the right things that kind of can make a difference to her long term if you can kind of provide that advice based on what your experience and what your profession is then people appreciate it and it's yeah it's a it is a nice thing and it's a nice thing to have absolutely incredible tom the last question that we have for you yeah. is what would you do differently uh, during your time of uni and even high school? I mean, if you had to kind of talk to your younger self and say, look, and trying to make him do differently to what he did, what would you say to him? Mm, that is hard, eh? And, that is uh, hard. And, I mean, was there things that you could have done differently to make it better? So so basically when I when I went to uni the second time, so my, my physio degree is my second degree, and I left Melbourne to go to Perth. Now, I, like, if you do uni for the second time, like, trust me, if you're not, like, the mature age student that is like annoying and asking all the questions, then you can do really well and you can kill it and you can have a really, really good time. Like moving state and then doing uni again for the second time was an unbelievable experience. Like I felt like I knew how to study. I felt like I knew how to socialize, make friends, knew how to have a work-life balance between the two. So in regards to what I would do differently at uni, I probably wouldn't do anything differently. Like my time at uni was awesome so the second time I did it 
in regards to what I would do differently at school versus um, versus my first degrees, I wouldn't do biomed. So anyone out there who's doing like or thinking about doing biomed, I would really, really suggest like do like, like think about what you want to do, research what job you want to get into after and the career pathways that are there because it is a it, if it is a very dead end degree. Um, I would say either go and do like go and strive to do physio straight away. So I moved over here. I could have done it straight up. I chose to do biomed, but biomed is very much like a a degree that doesn't really give you what you think it is. So it's very much a pathway to just doing research essentially. So. Yeah, as I said, like uh, what I would do differently is just I'd choose something different. I would like I would even go and do something like just straight science over over biomed because it just even locks you into like a different field than what science would be. Science is so open that you could get into physio if you wanted to after, but biomed is just like it is it is just a bit of a cagey system. Like you learn some really cool stuff and like I learned some sick stuff that I can still use today and I can have conversations that are like that like make me even kind of go oh holy crap i can remember some really awesome things from that like but at the same time like it's like in terms of career aspects like i remember when i was like at that stage and i was kind of looking for like in my fourth i think it was fourth year or third year um it must be in third year i was when i was at my career side of the side of the fence and we were going out and doing work placements the list of jobs that you could do post biomedical science were pretty minimal and you don't realize that until like after i probably only chose biomed because i was like that sounds like a really cool degree rather than doing a lot of research into exactly why i wanted to do it so like that would be that'd be the one thing i'd change what i'd do differently and what i'd choose differently is maybe science like or something else in that field go straight into physio because you, you can do it and don't be scared about moving away straight away and don't even be scared about moving states because moving states is probably the like or moving to a new place to do a university degree is like one of the best things i think you can do you'll learn a lot about yourself very very quickly very very insightful tom and that really wraps up all our questions that we have for you today mate Um, absolute pleasure having you here and sharing your very honest insights and thoughts Uh, for our listeners who have more questions for tom that did not feature on our list today and would like to connect with him just visit our website careerview.com.au this is where you'll find tom's profile and you can email him with more questions which i'm sure he'll be happy to answer Um, absolutely yeah and with every episode please don't forget to submit your questions you want to know especially to young professionals who've been there and have done that just like tom in the career pathway of physio uh, tom once again it's been great having you here today no worries, mate. as a final note what would you say to anyone who is considering this pathway moving forward uh i guess i just i i guess what it would be was just if you're gonna if you're gonna go into the physio world and the physio space then like do it for the love of human body, do it for the love of people, do it for the love of wanting to make a difference with someone else. Don't do it because you think that like it's going to be a really good money maker because there's other ways to do that. It's it's a case of you've got to do it because you enjoy that that side of like 
function, uh, anatomy, like physiology, and and don't be don't just think that physio is purely about that person in a room that cracks backs or like or does things on a sporting field. If you're going to go into it or like you're thinking about going into it, expand your horizons and go and look up those three areas that we talked about before because there is a a, a million other worlds that you can kind of go and explore with it, and it's yeah, it's it's an open door as soon as you walk in there. A pleasure, Tom. Thank you for thank you for being here. Thank you.